Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. football welcome to bank at night and welcome to bank at night jay binkley with producer grant nicholson it's been a minute grant what's up jb how you been oh i had to miss last weekend because i had a big birthday for mom you know that's two in a row well you know what i had graduation which is kind of a big deal and then i had uh, mom's 75th right but i'm here for the long haul this weekend i'll be in for Vern. So I get my payback. So we're doing Royals. I really hope for a nice winning streak going into it, but it doesn't look like it, Grant. And then you have bad news. I get this call about 530. You're having car trouble. You're stuck out on I-35. Big time car trouble. Dad comes. I guess the lady's going to have to wait for you to pull him around. Yeah. Dad comes and Dad's bails you out. Dad's this weekend. Dad, you're going to have to cancel all those dates. You're going to have to. Clear the schedule. Which, honestly, that's probably pretty good for you because there's like none. I <laughs> Didn't spill it anywhere, just on my notes. Okay. Just on all my notes. One of those days, huh? One of those days. Well, your dad bailed you out, which, let's face it, it's Father's Day Sunday. And I've told you that day has been disrespected by many. I owe him about 20 times over yeah, by this he's, point. He's taking care of you. You should take care of him Sunday. And I hope he's listening because he always listens. The grant's going to take care of you on Sunday. Anyway, we have fish to Friday night. Our phone number, 913-576-7610. J. Southland Tow Service text line, 913-576-7610. Matter of fact, J. Southland is the first words I mentioned that I'm out the grant. Like, you here on the highway? Call my boys up at J. Southland Tow Service. It's a true story. 100% true. It's true. Well, they say, I was watching the news last night. They say if you leave your car, it's more for animals. Like, don't, don't leave your animals or kids in the car. Like, don't do that. It gets like 110 degrees within five minutes or 10 minutes. 30 minutes is like 132 degrees. We have not had 100-degree temperatures. Like, it's something we haven't had the last couple of years. I mean, it's been devoid of getting to 100. However, Thursday and Friday is going to make a run at it, Grant. That is a record I don't care to see. I would prefer five inches of snow than 100-degree temperatures. Are you with me on that? times out of 10. That's our question tonight, then. I prefer the colder weather. Do you prefer this crap? Or do you prefer, well, when it got zero and minus 10, that was a little too cold. I I'll disagree. Just say, I'll just say 20. Would you take 20 degrees or take this junk right now? 20 degrees. Yeah, because your conditioner is just spinning right now. No hesitation at all, 20 degrees. Even before any of this. 100%? 100%. Did you see our state votes? It was almost seen out yesterday. We vote on which states to live in. I actually threw Montana in there. Those guys all laughed at me, but I did finish in second place. And Alex wiped the floor with all of you. But you noticed all he his like states. like the top four states. Did you notice all his states had legalized pot? Did you notice that was a theme? Clearly, Uh-oh. that is where our listeners, <laughs> that especially are on Twitter, that's where their heads are at. Because I've never, ever, like there's no way they, people prefer those states over others. But clearly, marijuana and legalized sports gambling had a huge thing to do with the way the poll results were. But I digress. I'll take them. Royals today, not good. 
Thought the Royals could make a late comeback, but the Royals losers of 11 of 12 now, losing 6 to 5 to Detroit, get swept for the second time in three series. Six game losing streak now for the Royals. By the way, they're the only team in Major League Baseball with streaks of five or more games where they've won or five or more games they've lost. Now, Brady Singer had to lead the game, leave the game after three innings, 3-1 lead. Precautionary measure due to right posterior shoulder tightness. Grant, you just got out of college. What's that mean? His butt's sore. Nah, I think it's more than that. I mean, I heard posterior. That's what I thought. Posterior shoulder tightness. So that would lead me to believe something in the back of the shoulder. I don't think it has anything to do with his butt. I mean, naturally, it's the first thing I think of when I see posterior. But, do you, you, I mean, it could be, I guess. The back kind of travels down, everything there. It's or, all connected, right? It, it is all connected. But whenever you hear that, it's like, ugh. What more could go wrong with this team? Although they have the third fewest guys on the IL this year. And Mondi's back. Mondi, 107 miles an hour off the bat. 445-foot shot. It was like, welcome back, Alberto Mondesi. But it wasn't enough. Salvador Perez hits home run number 17. Not enough. Not only that, it was to the Tigers. The fifth sweep of the season uh, by the Royals. Uh, the first since uh, three-game sweep at Coppin Stadium versus the Tigers since May 2nd through 4th of 2014. It's been seven years since the Tigers came in and did that to the Royals. Losing, uh, as I mentioned, 11 of the last 12. Been outscored 71 of 35 in that span. Not good. They're five for the last 50 now with runners in scoring position dating back to the ninth inning of Thursday's win in Oakland. Two for seven today. But I'll tell you this much. They're 16 and 18 at Coppin Stadium a season. Five consecutive losses on the heels of an eight and one stretch at home from May 18th to June 4th. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they come in today. I mean, things were down with this team. They lost 10 of 11. They haven't had a lead for just three innings in the last 93. Before today, three in the last 93. Obviously, they held the lead for a large amount of today, but not able to finish it. But the Tigers come in, get their first sweep here since 2014. These are the teams you got to beat, man. They're under 500 against the Tigers. At the beginning of the year, it was like, you got to bully this division. You have to take this division, and you have to let them know who's boss. Because the Royals are a better team than the Tigers. But the standings wouldn't tell you that. And I cautioned everybody on the Tigers – they had five guys. Okay, we, we talk about Bobby Witt all the time, right? Bobby Witt, Bobby Witt, Bobby Witt. The Tigers had five Bobby Witts. Maybe not as good. Casey Mize clearly has some potential. We'll see how these pitchers do when they can't use the sticky stuff. After all, he did have to switch gloves last night, and we'll get into the sticky stuff here in just a minute, Grant. Seems to be taking baseball by storm. And then we have pitchers like Tyler Glass now throwing a fit about it because he got hurt because he can't do what he did before. Regardless. They had five guys in the top 25 prospects in baseball. Now the Royals are still sitting there with Daniel Lynch. Uh, Asa Lacey has dropped a baseball. America still up there with MLB. Coar is down the list, but you've seen Coar a couple times in the major leagues. And you think to yourself, what is it? Is it the difference between being in the minors? Because there is a big difference. I mean, it depends on who you talk to, but they will tell you. It is much different being in the minor leagues. It's almost scary bringing up prospects from the minor leagues because of what could happen. Kalenic came up from the uh, Mariners. He was the fourth best prospect in all of baseball, only to go for a big old 0 for 39 in Seattle. And his ass has been sent back down. You just got to wait it out, man, because the minor leagues guys are playing up a level. They really are. I mean, it's 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 tough to see 
Matheny answered that question with Fesco in the morning when he meets him every Wednesday at 9. Better just to keep him up here and learn or send him back down? Because that's a real question the Royals have. Now, with Lynch, it was a different deal because it's more about tipping pitches. I mean, he was ready for the major leagues, we thought, although he didn't have competition last year except for the alternative site. Which, to be honest with you, I don't know really who prospered at the alternative site besides Nick Prado. Like, that was the guy that really benefited from that alternative site. It's your boy. Like him a lot. Like him a lot. But who else did? I mean, Bobby Witt destroyed that. He's destroying up here. and He's, he's killing it down there. He's got to work on righties a little bit down in double-A. But I'm no hurry. I know people want him to come up. Let's do the progression. Go up to triple-A. See what you can do. Because I do not want somebody else to come up here and not work out. To have failure in the back of their mind that they can't quite cut it at the major league level. Because we've seen that with Daniel Lynch. And so far, we've seen that with Coar. Last weekend was terrible. It's kind of like, can we get two innings from our starting pitching? Can we get two? I will say today, it was a nice lift getting Mondi back. Weren't things looking good? Mondi home run. Perez comes out, hits one himself. Up to number 17 now. Ned Yost, you say, man, give me three hot hitters. But who are they going to be? Is Witt going to do it? Santana? I mean, they have the potential. Witt? Santana, well, been attending, ah, but he's on the IL. So you can't count on him. Man, this team needs been attending in this lineup. Been attending with Mondesi, it's Perez, Santana, and they need Soler to get hot. Because Salvador Perez, it's a, when you look at his numbers, like it's amazing look at his numbers. I know you say, hey, can Sal Perez walk a little bit more? But he's got literally no protection in the lineup. There's none. I know people brought up Yadi Molina as going, going to the Hall of Fame, but you got guys like, you know, Carpenter behind you, you got Beltron behind you, much different. I mean, Salvador Perez has sub 200 hitters like behind him. But regardless, what happened today against Detroit is concerning to me because this is a team the Royals needed to have a winning record against. It was it was embarrassing for the Royals to be swept in Detroit. We kind of chalked it up to, well, the Royals weren't playing good baseball. They were in the middle of that 11-game losing streak. You know, losing to Detroit shouldn't have happened. They had that four-game sweep up there earlier. But then all of a sudden, Detroit comes here and does it. Now the Royals gave them a run, but all of a sudden you look at the standings. The Royals with 30 wins, Detroit with 29. They're technically a game and a half back behind the Royals. That's it. A game and a half behind the Royals, and the Royals have the Red Sox, who won last night in Atlanta. They play Atlanta again tonight. They're currently in second place in their division, but Tyler Glass now now hurt for Tampa Bay. Maybe maybe Boston can take over Tampa Bay. Who knows what's, what's to say about that. But different about it, but the Royals off tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against the Red Sox, and we'll see where the Royals go from here. Getting Mondi back was huge. Mondi could be a superstar for this team. If he can stay healthy, but I'm, I'm tired of banging that drum. Like every year, see, Monty, Monty, I've been saying this since 2015. I was there that night in New York where he makes his debut. I was like, oh, man, can things get better? This is the second straight World Series. They're about to beat New York's ass. And here's Adalberto Montesi, the possible future five-tool player that was making his debut at his young age. And then all of a sudden, it's 2021, and you're still saying, all right, Monday, let's do it. And then he comes back and kills it, and he gets hurt again, and you're like, oh. you're throwing your hands up in the air. I digress. 
very disappointing with the Detroit Tigers. I mean, they were swept in L.A. to the Angels. Shouldn't have lost that team. Got one out of four against the Oakland A's. You saw how good that team is. They're very good, especially pitching-wise. But this Detroit team was a team you could take advantage of. Look at Fulmer's now in the bullpen. Remember, Fulmer used to be the happy-go-lucky starter for him. This might have been. No, it was. This was my most disappointing series of the year, Grant. That includes getting swept in Detroit because this was a swept in Kansas City. So I look at all these games. This, I would have to say, was my disappointing season. Everybody gets hurt. Bolaño's hurt. Benatendi's hurt. Mondi does come back. That's nice. Duffy should be coming back at some point. But they got a heavy man with Singer. I mean, who knows? We're going to keep an eye on what Singer's injury is because Singer's kind of a bulldog for this rotation. He's the guy that can eat innings. You can't throw Bubich out there just get destroyed early in games, which is nice. But Bubich's last three games have not been good. It's not been the same bulldog Bubich. And Coar, just settle down, man. Get through some innings. <laughs> I like you, but come on, man. And man, am I gripping here? I don't think Was so. Was this the most disappointing series? I, I mean, I'm, I'm still all in on this team. I got to be. You know why? Chiefs are done tomorrow until July 27th. Like, we need this team to carry us through. That's a selfish thing to ask for, but I really hope the Royals would get us through then. Baseball's a streaking game, we'll see. And especially since the Royals aren't cheating, which we know, and the other teams scaled back because of the, quote, sticky stuff, which we'll get to in a second. I don't think so. I mean, I think the Tigers are a team you have to beat, right? I mean, if you want to even pretend to be a contender or an AL wildcard team, you have to win these sorts of, not just games, but series. You have to win two, three, four in a row. And so to to really, really bad look the last couple games. Oh, I know it. I mean, Minnesota, I mean, take advantage of them. Yes, they're hitting home runs, second in the league in home runs. Still the Bomba squad to some extent. Not like the Blue Jays are leading the baseball because they're playing in AAA Stadium. Come on, they're going to hit home runs. But you got to take care of this team. I mean, they were 500 against Cleveland last year. They're struggling against Cleveland this year. Cleveland is all pitching, no hitting. Literally, especially if Ramiel Reyes hurt. But now all of a sudden, Detroit becomes this little forward on the side. Because Detroit's on its way up, man. People always laugh about Detroit. Team that got to the World Series, couldn't finish it. Detroit's are drafting well, man. They made good deals. Yes, they're still paying Miguel Cabrera. They still get $90 million owed to a guy that can barely hit 210. It's a lot of money. And, yes, he's got five home runs. That is a lot of money they're paying Miguel Cabrera to a tune of $30 million a year, plus there's a $9 million walkout clause. They're still paying a 210 hitter all that money. Again, they they pushed all in. They wanted rings. They didn't get it. The Royals did. Detroit pushed all in to get it. Miguel Cabrera, who does have a ring back with the Marlins. But regardless, the Royals did push all in. didn't happen. Coming up next, we'll talk about that sticky stuff in Major League Baseball, and could things be on the horizon looking good for the Kansas City Royals? We'll talk Chiefs. We'll switch the switch gears at 6.30 with Ron Kopp as we talk Chiefs next. Big at night. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.
Retro week. Can't wait for that. I got Henry Lake for an hour. It'd be fun. Bring back old times. We really wanted to go retro. Have Vernon and I do a show again. Because to new money, 610 fans, I don't remember. Vernon and I actually used to do a show back in 2012 together. Right here on 610. You know how old I was in 2012? Uh, Probably 12. I was 16. Yeah, well, you're just driving a car. Do you have us? Were you listening? Oh, yeah, for sure. Me, uh, Josh, and JC. I was just barely listening, though. Yeah. I was not locked in. Not like I am now. A lot of people uh, joined the uh, the show. Well, there's a lot that's changed since then. I mean, 12 and 13, rough years in Kansas City. Well, 13 was because Andy Reid came for football, but 12 was bad. Both the Royals and the Chiefs. But you got a World Series in 14 and 15. Got a Super Bowl in 20 and 21. Things look a lot different around here, Grant, than they used to. You used to not look so good around here. Now it's all gravy. Really, this is like the heyday, bro. This is the golden era of Kansas City sports. You're right. It is. absolutely right. And in 15, man, I was like, man, just give us the ring. I promise I won't complain for 10 years. And it is so hard to keep that up. (laughs) We're getting there, though. We're we got there. we got 15 and we got a Chiefs Super Bowl and you're still thinking about complaining sometimes. Yeah, sometimes with the Royals I want to complain, but I understand the process. The injuries suck, but I know that it's kind of a cross between then and now. Older players, younger players, like I, I can understand the reasonings of some of the things they've done, but you got to think about it real hard when you do it. Kind of all makes sense, but I think this team is better than what they're showing. Yeah, they're not looking like it, but I think this team is better. I mean, the hitting's let them down. I mean, I didn't expect this out of Dozier, but anyway, we'll get back to the Royals just a little bit. But now, June 21st is the day, Grant. They're going to start actually enforcing rules. It'd be like saying, okay, you can speed, then not look at the speed, then not care what you're doing, and then all of a sudden said, because it's already a rule. 3.01, it's already a rule. You can't use, you can't cheat, but it's been understood in baseball you can. Most time hitters don't care if you lose suntan lotion. Or old Pine Tower Pineda. Looks like a saint now, right? Remember he used to have that on his neck? Players didn't say anything about it. Pitchers didn't complain. You know why? Because they did the same thing. They lived in glass houses. According to Jeff Passan, his latest, on ESPN Plus, he's talking about there's a National League team. And one of the hitters comes back to the dugout and says, sticky stuff, talking about the pitcher. And some pitcher looked at him and said, do better. I mean, so you're already seeing a rift like between teammates, right? Pitchers are going to take other pitchers back. Except for the Royals, but they don't do this. Right? Maybe he starts going. We've seen what 11 points higher in batting average since players all of a sudden check their spin rates, right? Okay, baseball's going to start looking because teams are having to get these guys acclimated. They're having to throw bullpen sessions and you name it to get acclimated to it. Then you got guys like Tyler Glass now, stud pitcher for the Rays, who's pitched twice now since he started dialing back the stiffy stuff, the sticky stuff. He pitched well against the Nationals, but then said he was real sore the next day. I've switched my fastball grip and my, and my uh, curveball grip. An animated glass now set on a video conference with reporters. I had to put my fastball deeper into my hand and to grip it way harder. Wham. Instead of holding my curveball at the tip of my fingers, I had to dig it deeper into my hand. I'm choking the blank out of all my pitches. He left Monday night's game after four innings. Said he understands MLB is trying to do, do uh, try to track down on the spider tack. That's the substance 
It's uh, basically spinning this all out of control with the spin rates. But pitchers are having to do bullpen sessions. What they're having to do is see if you can still pitch. Like, see if you can still pitch after cheating. Because it's sometimes more difficult. Now, I do know MLB once, and they have said this. Um, but they haven't, they, haven't, they haven't enforced these rules. But spider tack is over the line. Like, they're crossing the line from suntan lotion. This is why they're getting busted now. Multiple players, according to ESPN, Jeff Pass, and multiple players said they were hopeful that MLB would differentiate among the substances and buy time before the potential issuance of illegal universal substance pitchers can use for grip. MLB has explored creating such a product. It has yet to formulate one that serves as a grip enhancer while not being a performance enhancer. Listen, they changed the baseball. They changed the game. I do feel... Baseball should have come out with the universal because hitters would love it. They don't want pitchers going up there with no control. They don't want to step in that box and 100 miles an hour coming to your head with pitchers. Because this is what pitchers are going to do. They start flinging away, start hitting dudes in the helmet and be like, eh, I can't, can't control it. You took all my uh, stuff away. Now I can't control my fastballs. So guys are getting hurt. Guys are getting hit. I understand what baseball's doing because they got to do something. Pitchers are dominating at an alarming rate now. If you move the mound back, that's one thing they're getting used to that too. But let's face it. I believe Major League Baseball should have come out with this, quote, universal substance that everybody can, can use, like a pine tarish suntan lotion type deal that's far away from spider tech. I do believe they should still check for that, though, because that is cheating the game. You didn't want guys putting needles in their arm. And then you got this. And then you got guys like Tyler Glass now, you know, complaining. Me throwing 100 and being 6'7 is why I got hurt, but that contributed. And so I'm I'm just frustrated that, like, they don't understand how hard it is to pitch one, but to tell us to do something completely different in the middle of a season is insane. I just don't – it's ridiculous. There has to be some give and take here. You can't just take away everything and not add something. Pitchers need to be able to have some sort of control or some sort of grip on the ball. And I, I just don't want things like this to happen to somebody else. I don't want a fastball to sail away and hit somebody in the face like it already has. So I just think, like, I understand you need to take an aggressive approach here, but, like, I just think people are going about it all wrong. But see, though, guys have been hit in the face way before this. Two starts ago against the Nationals, I went cold turkey nothing. And before that start, I remember when all this stuff came out, I was talking to people and talking to doctors. Like admitting like, he cheated. Maybe MLB doesn't realize or that players don't realize is, like, what what is the injury, like, what, what is the prevention of, like, maybe it'll add to injuries. And in my mind, I was like, that sounds dumb. That sounds like an excuse a player would use to make sure he can use sticky stuff. But I threw to the Nationals with nothing. I've never been – I don't use sticky stuff to – I don't use – 11 strikeouts, by the way. I spin. I, I have huge hands. I spin the ball fine. I want grip. I did well against the Nationals. Right, probably off. one of the best starts I had all year. I woke up the next day and was like, I am sore in places Aww. that I didn't even know I had muscles in. Like, I Aww. felt completely different. I switched – my fastball grip and my curveball grip. Oh, I've you thrown don't it the say. same way for however many years I played baseball. I had to change. I had to put my fastball deeper into my hand and grip it way oh. harder. And I had to instead of holding my curveball at the tip of my fingers, I had to dig it deeper into my hand. So I'm like choking the out of all my pitches. My cue I used to use with Snyder was hold the Someone ball. Someone get like his mom like, on the phone. Like nice and loose, no. be loose. That's out of the window. So I, I now have to develop a new cue. I have to develop something where I can't hold the ball light anymore. I have to dig it deep into my hand. So what would you say? Does this, does this cross line hypocrisy? Would you have said this if Jose Canseco was going, you know, I got to shove that needle far in my ass for the steroids to work, you know? 
And now baseball won't let me do it. So I need to put the needle all the way in, and now I can't do it. I don't have Superman strength because they took my steroids away. That's essentially what he's saying. And we'll get more to it. Mike Matheny, I thought, had some interesting things to say, and Brad Keller, too. Because I think baseball should have either come out with a sticky substance or changed the ball to have a grip. I mean, they should have a grip. That Hitters would agree with that. But what can't happen is the ball looking like a wiffle ball when it gets home plate. Like, you can't have that. Like, I'm with the hitters on that. But it's either one or the other. You want steroids, juice ball, or do you want pitchers juice? Like, baseball's got to figure out what they want and do it fast. Ron Kopp, Chiefs, mandatory minicamp next. Bing at night. Welcome back. Big at night, Jay Binkley, Grant Nicholson producing. Time to talk some Kansas City Chiefs. Beforehand, you know, text line wants Bobby Witt up now. Now. He's hitting 188 against righties. Over 400 against lefties. Killing lefties. Not hitting righties. It's a bit of a problem. But you'd rather him fix it here? Okay. May I remind you of Jared Killenick. Came up with Seattle. Listen to this. 23 games in the minors. Or excuse me. 23 games in the majors. He hit, he hit .96 up here, including going point over 39. In the minors, sitting 280, four home runs, 10 ribs. Number four prospect in all of baseball. They called him up, and he failed miserably. I'm just saying, you got to be careful. you got to make sure it's time. you got to make sure they're not false numbers. One thing that's not false is the Chiefs. One more day of mandatory minicamp. We'll go to the one and only Ron Kopp, arrowheadpride.com. What's up, Ronald? Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Just excited. Uh, getting a few more news nuggets from oh, man. minicamp, especially today. Uh, quite a few things uh, that to take away from today's pressers. So you you know, there really was. And I know you're all over it. you got some great stories up on arrowheadpride.com, including the linebacker position. Uh, your best guess who would be the different linebackers in different situations uh, for the Chiefs. The one seemingly big topic, Ron, is Chris Jones moving to the outside. Now, he's done it before. At Mississippi State, he was able to do both, played inside and outside. However, he started all 13 games his, his junior year at Mississippi State on defensive line, but did float out to the end. And, you know, Spags has kind of mentioned it. Uh, Frank Clark was talking about him on the end. Clyde Edwards-Alaire talked about him on the end. Chris Jones said, finally, he gets to play on the end. However, is it going to be a middle ratio, 50-50, where he's inside and outside? What are your thoughts on it, first of all, because I have mine. Yeah, so when you first heard the reports earlier this offseason about Jones playing more and you kind of just take it with a grain of salt, okay, maybe they're just working him in a little bit more and, you know, maybe he'll just have more situations where he's there. But I didn't take it as too huge, uh, huge of a deal then. Then you kind of hear Spagnuolo touch on it and then Frank Clark's touching on it. And then, yeah, Jones today all of a sudden says, thank God it finally happened for me in terms of moving to defensive end. He sounds like he just won the lottery or something. He's super excited about it. Makes it sound like it's something he's always wanted to do. It's always something he's been pushing for, and they're finally allowing him to do it. And so before, I thought it was more of a situational thing, something that you know happens just in, in very little situations, mostly defensive tackle. Today's pressers has me kind of flipping that and thinking maybe they just threw him at it. Maybe he's a defensive end now. It's I'm not. I don't totally like that. Honestly, I, I wish. It, he, it would be more of a situational thing, and we don't know yet. We're not going to know until training camp exactly how they deploy this, how they work it out. Maybe he's just training a defensive end right now, 
to get used to the reps. He knows how to play defensive tackle. He doesn't need to practice it as much. But it does shock me a little bit. I would not have guessed that he'd just all of a sudden be a full-time defensive end where he's not practicing defensive tackle at all and he's practicing with the end. I don't know exactly how I feel about it. I wish it would be more, more of a situational thing. You know what? Uh, Carrington and I had a discussion about that. And I, I, I kind of with you on, on a few things there, Ron, because he's dominant where he is. matter of fact, outside of Aaron Donald, I consider him number two. I consider him number two inside pass rush. And I'll be honest with you, with Jaron Reed, the Chiefs have the best interior pass rush in the NFL with those two combined. If you like adding Jaron Reed to Aaron Donald, then far and away would be the best interior pass rush. But the one good thing that could happen is it could spark some Frank Clark. If Jaron Reed's inside over on his side in the three and he's sitting at the five, could spark that tandem was was wonderful in Seattle. That could happen. But also, if Chris Jones is used as a hybrid guy inside and outside, that could be a real weapon for the Chiefs, in my opinion. Because they would yeah, always be so, guessing where he's going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and so I think that's a good point. I think, and I think where it would be utilized the best is you have Chris Jones as a, an early down, run down defensive end. You know, his length and his size, he's going to be a hard dude to move on that edge. He's not going to be giving up that edge in the run game very much. So that's where it makes a lot of sense. But you've seen him dominate as a pass rusher on the interior. I just don't know why you'd want to take that away. So, yeah, if they do want to make it a hybrid kind of thing, I would think it'd be early downs, Jones is on the end, really securing that edge against the run, and then on passing downs, you get someone else out there like a Taco Charleston, and then put Jones back in on the interior next to Reed, and, you know, if Reed wants to be next to Clark, you know, they have a whole bunch of combinations you could do with those four guys. They're all pretty good pass rushers. And so, yeah, I think that's the way to do it, and that's how I kind of originally thought it would go, maybe, you just have Jones more in, in, on the end and run downs, but... And passing downs, he needs to be on the inside. That's where he's always dominates, where he's always been his best. There's no reason to take away from that. I think, I think both him and Jaron Reed could really be nightmares uh, for defenses. But I think the Chris Jones element, where he's going to line up, inside or outside, makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference to pass protections. Um, it's just another thing to think about for the quarterback because now he's not only looking at the secondary, but he's looking at where Chris Jones is. And the centers making offensive line calls, the tackles, the communication. I think I think that could be a real weapon for the Chiefs as far as personnel that they that they use. But even Clyde talked about it today. And speaking of Clyde, as we go to the offense a little bit here, Ron, you know, Clyde talked a lot about the pass pass catching. You know, he used the jugs machine a lot. This is a guy that in the history of the Southeastern Conference is the only running back to have a thousand yards rushing, fifty catches. Never been done. 98 guys drafted since 2000, by the way. 16 first-round picks, but nobody had the pass-catching acumen of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Wasn't asked to block a ton for Joe Burrow, but he could catch out of the backfield. Yeah, and that's why I think last year there was some surprise maybe with how Edwards-Alaire was utilized. We didn't see a lot of planned, designed passing plays for Edwards-Alaire to be the target. It seemed a lot of his production in the passing game came from just dump downs. You know, Mahomes looking downfield for a while, dumping down to Edward Tiller, he gets 15 yards because he's good in open space. But there wasn't a ton, or maybe as much, uh, open designs, you know, uh, pass routes downfield. We saw it a few times, and when they, when they were ran, it worked uh, from what I saw. But that's the thing. If you're taking a guy in the first round, he needs to be able to do run and passing, and Edward Tiller is able to do that. But the Chiefs just really didn't put him in those positions as much last year as they probably could have, 
and should if they want to justify using a first-round pick on a running back. If he's not, if he's not your pass-down guy, then you can find guys that can run well in the third, fourth, whatever round. But if you're taking a guy in the first round, you need to be able to utilize that pass-catching ability, and he has it, like you just mentioned. You know, he, he showed it all in college. He showed it in first in the NFL so far. I think an underrated piece of this offseason is Greg Lewis, the receivers coach, former yep. receivers coach, becoming the running backs coach. He talked about in this presser today. That might be something where they did that purposefully to work with Edward Solaire on his routes and stuff maybe or just have him lining up as a receiver more. I think that's an underrated part of this offseason, and it does point to Edward Solaire being a bigger part of the passing game. See, see, I'm with you on that, Ron, because when we sit and we look, all right, who's the number two, who's the number three? You know, you know Tyreek Hill's the one, even though he's the Z receiver. Who's stepping up in that X? We talk about that all the time. But I think Clyde, who just who didn't really do pass blocking uh, for LSU, the Tigers ran something they called it five man protections. He was he wasn't used to pass protect very often for Joe Burrow. They had a dynamic offense, but it's something that I think he got better in, and I think that is the gradual learning steps of running back. That was the first you got to be able to protect, and I think he's he's really worked on that and got it down. But the running back can replace it. And Clyde Edwards, if you listen to what he said. He said, I've even worked out of the slot and outside receiver. Like, that's a part people aren't picking up on, but Clyde mentioned slot and outside receiver. Now we couple Noah Gray, the tight end selection, whom I made a bet with CDOT that would have at least 15 catches. So all he needs 15. We made a burrito bet. Not that he's ever paid up any bets I've ever made with them. But regardless, <laughs> I could have two burritos because I think Noah Gray gets the 15 catches at at the minimum. I mean, that's, that's asking for nothing, but... Regardless, I think Clyde and having 12 personnel with another tight end they can trust in the passing game can make up for maybe deficiencies of the wide receiver. Yeah, there's so much versatility they have in their offensive passing weapons now, like you just mentioned with Gray. And with Edward Tolaire as well, you got you have a guy with Jarek McKinnon who I think is going to make the roster as the third running back who also has ability in, in the passing game as well. But I hope that's not. Ta- I hope that doesn't take away from Edward Solaire at all. I think Edward Solaire needs to be relied upon in the passing game. The reason we didn't see him on third downs a lot last year was what you just mentioned, the pass blocking. I think they trusted Darrell Williams to fill that role a little better. And Williams was able to give him a little more in, the, in, in uh, you know, when he did have the ball in his hands. He was still able to make some plays, but just not as much as Edward Solaire. So that'll be a big key for him as well. If he can get to that pass where he's very comfortable in pass blocking, the team feels good about him in pass blocking. They can trust him in all these third-down situations so you don't just bring in a guy just because he's good at pass blocking and the, team, and the opposing team knows, hey, this guy is only in because he's pass blocking. Maybe you know, maybe he's not much of a threat to, to, to catch a pass. If you have Edward Trelaire in there all the time and he's a good pass blocker, they don't know which one. You know, They don't know if he's going on a route or if he's blocking in this time. So, yeah, I, I think the versatility they have, Edward Trelaire, Gray, Powell now coming into the mix with Robinson and Pringle, all those kind of guys, kind of in that same same level of, of talent. Yeah, it, it, they got a lot of things. They got a lot of places to go with the ball this year. And Tyreek spoke very highly of Powell. I mean, it's all we're hearing is good things coming out of Cornell Powell. Also on the on the website ArrowheadPride.com, we're talking to my guy Ron Cop from Arrowhead Pride. He also does the Out of Structure podcast where they evaluated each linebacker position. All right, so I, I remember talking to Derek Johnson in training camp, and one of his last years here in Kansas City. He was talking about stopping the run. And he was he kept praising Dontari Poe, like how he could flow around and make tackles. A lot like, you know, Baltimore and Ray Lewis having Sarah Goose and Kelly Gregg in front of him able to, you know, flow around and, and make tackles. You had the Micah's Hitchens, the Will as Willie Gay, which I will say this about Willie Gay. 
he has definite potential because he was last year the highest graded linebacker in pass coverage. So he's got those skills. And then you have the Sam linebackers, Nick Bolton, who you could probably see, as I do, transitioning to Mike next year. Yes, exactly. That's the main point with Bolton is you have him in that same position because it's probably the simplest linebacker position out of the four listed there. You have your Sam, Mike, and Will in the base. And then I mentioned the dime linebacker position as well that's been taken up by Neem in the past few years. But Sam is just its a lot of just run defense. You're just worried about taking up a gap, holding the edge, uh, making a tackle. You know, there's not a lot of pass coverage responsibilities. There's not a lot of, you know, uh, pre-snap adjustments like the Mike has to make. So that's where Bolton can fit in right now. But, yes, in the future, he's definitely, he is definitely a Mike prospect. I think he'd be a good uh, fill-in for Hitchens if, if the Hitchens contract doesn't, you know, if it expires or uh, they cut him after next, after next year. But, yeah, so Bolton and Sam, Willie just has to be the Will, right? And, and I also think Will, Willie McGay oh. needs to be the dime linebacker this year. I mentioned Neiman's mm-hmm. been in that position the last few years. But Gay's athleticism, his coverage ability, that's what you need from a dime linebacker. The dime is where yeah. you have six defensive backs on the field because you're, the offense is spread out. They're, and opposing offenses against the Chiefs are going to be spreading, spreading you out in dime a lot just because they're going to be catching up, trying to throw the ball, catching up to the Chiefs offense. That's why we see Neiman on the field all the time. And so that needs to be gay. His coverage ability needs to be utilized there. There's probably some uh, playbook things he didn't get down last year is why they, they kept Neiman in there all season. But if you're using a second-round pick on a guy and you're going to be in dime that much, that second-round pick needs to be on the field as much as possible. And, it, and the dime makes a lot of sense for where gay could, could contribute to the defense. All right, last thing for you, Ron Cop. I want to know your opinion on this. All right, Mike Hughes comes in here, a little bit like Bondi. Bondi, see the Royals, always hurt, right? But a first-round pick, pick number 30, round one. DeAndre Baker, first-round pick, <laughs> pick 30. So they have two first-round defensive backs on this team. Mike Hughes, you need to stay healthy. DeAndre Baker got an unfortunate, well, he was drafted in an unfortunate place, but he had an unfortunate injury last year. Where would you rank the secondary? If I, if I said the defensive line, linebackers, and secondary, what would you put one, two, and three? Oh, wow. That's, I like that question. That's a good question because when you're talking about the secondary as a whole, you're adding in the safeties who you should be feel mm-hmm. very confident in at least the top two safeties. So that's tough. Let me. I'm going to say I, I'm confident in the defensive line, so I'll go them, them one. Okay. I'll say, the, I'll say the secondary two okay. and then the linebackers three. I think when that's you add the safeties into the secondary, that, may, that gives them a little bit of an edge. If you want to break it up, I'd say the, the cornerbacks then go – to the last, and then there's going to be the second to last, and the safeties will be the second to highest. So, yeah, so I'm not super confident in the corners. I wish, honestly, they would have brought in Breland on the contract sure. that the Vikings signed him for. You saw, you, see, you saw the numbers come down, and you see the Chiefs with a little bit of cap space to use, and you're wondering, well, why didn't that reunion work out? They must be, they must, the team must feel confident in the cornerback group, right? That's the only reason why they wouldn't huh. bring Breland back here. Yeah. I just, I wish I would have seen Breland back in the building, but the Chiefs, apparently have confidence in the cornerback group. That is apparent. You know, they've got the reasons. Sam Madison, Dave Merritt, Steve Spagnuolo, the three biggest reasons why they made that move. But who would you take right now if I gave you the choice, DeAndre Baker, Mike Hughes? You only had to pick one. Who would you take? I would say Mike Hughes. I did a little film research of him uh, last, you know, in, in his NFL career so far. I haven't dug into DeAndre Baker's one year in New York. Uh, so that might give me a little bit of an edge just because I've looked at him a little more. But, I like what I saw from Hughes. I really do think he fits exactly what the Chiefs want from their outside cornerbacks. 
and he can play in the slot. But I think he's an outside cornerback in Kansas City. And I do think right now he does have a little bit of an edge over Baker. Great stuff, Ron Kopp, ArrowheadPride.com. You had an article about red zone defense because that was the topic of conversation for the last OTAs. Uh, you'll have a new one on the red zone offense, I assume, is coming up soon. It is already out. So oh, it's out today, okay. Pride.com, you'll, you'll look at a red zone offense review and see see how we're going to improve for 2021. Well, we'll get to that next time, Ron. I was just so enamored with all the talking points today that uh, I didn't get to that yet. I'll, I'll get to it, my man, but uh, I was focusing on what they said today. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. There was a lot to learn today. I, yep. feel, I feel like we're, we're getting closer to training camp, so I'm excited. Let's, 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 let's do it. Season. Let's do it. Good stuff, Ron. Always good talking to you, buddy. All right, you too, Jay. Thanks. There you go, Ron Cobb from ArrowheadPride.com. We'll take a timeout, went a little too farther. React to what Ron said next. Bing at night. Can you smell that, Grant? I'm not talking about wintergreen. I'm talking about football. Can you smell it? Can you smell it? I can smell it. I can smell it, Bing. It's right All around right. the corner. I know you're a big K-State guy. You should be. It's great. you got to listen to Rush to Field. Culture. Football show. Hopefully I'll be on there a few times with you this year. I, I would love it. John Kurtz comes on every week. Cats we going 15-0 this year. We talk cats, but you know what, though? I like this expanded playoffs. We won't see it for a couple of years, but think about how many times K-State's been in that 12, right? It gives coaches something to shoot for. Anyway, I like what Ron Kopp had to say there. I got a lot more to say about that because I think the Chiefs are going to have a surprise on offense and defense. If you think the Chiefs can get any better, well, they've shown it, and they can, and they have, and they will. Uh, The Chiefs, I've always had a saying. You either have two options in life. You can stay on the treadmill or you can get on the track. Treadmill, you ain't going anywhere. You're staying the same. Get a track, you're actually moving forward. Street, whatever you want to say. Hiking, whatever, as long as you're not on a treadmill because it does not go anywhere. But the same rate of speed, and it's kind of boring unless you've got a Peloton. Well, those are more bikes, you want to say. I'm not in the Pelotons yet. I know some of my family is. I, just haven't, I haven't Pelotoned out yet. Man, those are expensive, bro. They are. They all got them. They and love you got to have a subscription to keep doing it. I know it's ridiculous. Like just, 50 just a month. It's stupid, man. You know what? What do I say? You know what? If it works for you, it's not stupid. If it drops the pounds, I don't care what it costs. You know what? You can go out and get 50 bucks and a couple pizza deliveries to your house. You want to spend 50 bucks on a treadmill or a bike? More power to you. Honestly, it's probably a better investment than shoving pizza down your face. Let's be honest. No, you're right. I just, I'd rather I am right. I'm a guy a that gym got a membership little... is all. Okay, I got a gym membership, man. But if I could stay home and do a Peloton because you get the same instructors or whatever, you don't want to have them chew on me a little bit. I'll be, I don't even work out well by myself anyways. I got to be doing a sport or something running around. Well... I can see, well, just, just give yourself time, bro. You're still, you're still young. Just wait till you hit over 30. You'll get a little fatter. Trust me. It'll happen. These pants now will not fit you. You're, you're well, How old are you, 22, 23? I'm 25, Pink. Where the hell is time gone? <laughs> All right, when you get 30, those pants won't fit. The pants I'm wearing right now? Yeah. And when yeah, you get 40, those pants at 30 won't fit Come anymore. On. Trust me, man. You, here's the deal, man. You've been single. You can't find a woman. When you do and you get married, you get fat again. Everybody does. Everybody does. Maybe it's a wedding cake or something, but you get fatter. You know, things are, you know, things are good. You know, you got a woman, everything's good. You got a wife, hey, it was good. Everything's gravy. I can just eat. And then you do. I mean, look at Vern, for God's sakes. This guy was skinny. 
No, he's fat. Not really, but kind of. He got married. Used to be you. You know, now Vern's out of shape, everything. It's what marriage does to you, bro. Well, hopefully it's a ways off. You know, I can keep the trim lifestyle for a few more years. We are 25, and I do get get a little concerned about some of you guys. Why? Because I've seen plenty of guys around here get married pretty quick. What do you mean, get married pretty quick? Like you should jump into a relationship and then you're engaged? Yeah, I don't have to worry about Alex. I'll tell you that. Yeah. But um, he's a lost cause. Yeah, potentially. he is. He really is. He really is. Our date last week. Woo, good job, Alex. Uh, regardless, let's talk Frank Clark. Some of the things he said. Let's talk Chris Jones, defensive end. Leave Alex Gold's love life alone because it's non-existent. We'll talk Chiefs next. Bing at night. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 